sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. Hello gamers, welcome to Agab. All gamers are bastards. Uh, I'm Kay. You know me. You know me. I'm, I'm joined as always, by the intrepid, unstoppable co-host, Labor Kyle. Kyle of the Labor. How you doing, Kyle? You, you know me. You know. You know me. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. No, they know me. Oh. Well, my... They don't know you. Kyle's new. Uh, Nobody knows Kyle. Uh, I did, did I wander into a new podcast again? And for did I get amnesia podcast amnesia? Amne yeah, this is the first ever episode of, of All Gamers Are Bastards, the only podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's one podcast, uh, and this is the first. Um, yeah, we just invented podcasting right now. Yeah, the until now it's really been well, you know, in its current form. There are you know the the original form of podcasting, which is. Of uh, recordings of radio broadcasts of sporting events and mm -hmm. ch uh, church sermons, um, which have been, which you know, the real staples of the uh, the first wave of podcasting. Um, I like to think we really do a bit of both here at Agab. Yeah, we really combine those ideas. I think sports and church, <laughs> sports and church. I mean, is that not the the alchemical ingredients? For gaming competition and the well, I my believe w when it comes to my views on video games, they are very theological. Uh, mm -hmm. So of course, I, yeah, you're absolutely and competitive, competitive the. I'm a mo I'm a I'm a polytheist, but the gods mm -hmm. fight. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's like Super Smash Bros. <laughs> exactly, it's it is actually exactly <laughs> like Super Smash Bros. Yeah, um, Mega Man died for our sins. <laughs> Uh, I am going to go wage a holy war on behalf of Pikachu <laughs> against the <laughs> against the followers of uh, Ness and King K. Rule. Um, I mean, King K. Rule is a. I think at one point we did determine that King K. Rule was the boss of capitalism or something like that. So, in my defense, it's the the war is justified and Pikachu is proletarian, but. Um, yeah, this is a um, the the well, welcome back to the pan the pantheon um, of uh, man. This isn't even the episode we're talking about Hades either. No, we're damn it. Ba bail on that. No, yeah. you you didn't hear that, <laughs> listener. <laughs> Cleanse your mind of this thought. Um, I think it's safe to say Pikachu is proletariat. Uh, Squirtles are definitely proletariat. Uh, Bulbasaur, I think, is petty bourgeoisie. Yeah, um, yeah, Charmander. I'm not sure. Charmander gives me like lumpen. He's he's never had a job. Yeah, or like or like that potential sort of like waffling that some like 
uh, disenfranchised, like young people who can who find themselves. You know, I'm saying I'm saying Charmander could easily go fast. You gotta you gotta keep your eye on the mm. on the little ones. You know, well yeah, he starts getting nervous about. He's got to keep that flame lit. Uh, and there's Squirtles sort of moving into his neighborhood, taking his jobs. <laughs> Making it wet all over the With place, all their so it's hard to keep their, the flame. All their lit. sunglasses and all of their surfing and all their They're rap music. Sur- Pikachu's also be surfing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. I, I mean, all Pokemon like rap music. We know that from the Poke rap. We have the lore to understand that. <laughs> and if there's anything... I just I just want people to appreciate the... The... <laughs> the, the stuff... I can't think about the Poke rap without laughing because... It's called the Pokey Rap, but it's just like it's someone like saying a list rhythmically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have sort of a rhyme scheme uh, necessarily. It's just sort of like it's like an it's an enthusiastic list, and you know, yeah, absolutely no flow. <laughs> it's it's whack as hell. Uh, in your defense, I don't think there's many people who can think of the Pokey Rap without laughing. I think that's probably quite a common uh, condition. <laughs> I either laugh or I just scream in terror. <laughs> Immediately, yeah. I just start. I just start screaming uncontrollably if I hear it. Um, so I understand. Do that. not show it. To, don't show <laughs> it to me. <laughs> On a more positive note, have you ever heard the uh, full version of the original uh, Pokemon theme song? I've the the English the American one. Yeah, yeah, the English one. Basically, one thing has been omitted from the version that's actually in the TV show, which is a quite long uh, guitar solo. Oh hell yeah! That fucking rules! It is so sick. Uh, I was, I was, <laughs> I was getting really nervous for a second that uh, uh, it was gonna be like, yeah, there's just one line that was missing, and it was like, I want to be. The very best. Also, you should keep all of the races separate or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) They took that out for the American version, which was good. But yeah, uh, well, that that was one of the things that they edited, right? In like the four kids uh, version, you know, you've got your your donut rice balls, and also they don't tell you that Ash uh, is a white supremacist. (laughs) Yeah, it's just that bit from Community where he has the swastika. It's gonna be a maze. <laughs> That's him talking to Brock. He's like, "It's gonna be a maze, bro. Don't worry about it." It's... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a sh- it's a shame uh, that Pikachu has to be under the thumb of a fa- of a fascist like uh, nine year old Ash Ketchum or however old he is. Is that they're young? Ten, I want to say. Mm. Mm. Them double. Digits. I mean, so he claims, but he's been ten for a long fucking time. Man. Yeah, I mean, I start to get a little suspicious. Um, uh, when you know you, you catch him using the over the over sixty five special at the International House of Pancakes. <laughs> I think he's just lying about his age so that people won't beat him up when he keeps saying like <laughs> Nazi shit. He's like, no, I'm just ten. You can't hit me. I'm I'm I am a ch- I am but a child. I am so I am so small. And and childlike. Uh, also, uh, that, that miscegenation. sound just like that. <laughs> I am small and childlike, also miscegenation. They're, they're always saying that. <laughs> I always. Hear, I, there's one thing I hear kids saying all the time. It's it, that it, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
or yeah, four. I think I think white supremacist Ash Ketchum. That's that's a bit with a lot of legs on it. I can see us returning to that second char- uh, second regularly. character of the show. Uh, first one was woke Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> and the second one is white supremacist Ash Ketchum. <laughs> so far, just a two and zero record, baby. I mean, come on, those yeah, are. I'm already noticing a formula. <laughs> <laughs> adjective, adjective noun. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> beautiful. Um, yeah, don't let him catch them all. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, he, he's trying to catch them all, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Uh. Oh, dark. All right, yeah, well. Yeah, sweet Jesus. Let bail, bail out of that bit. Um, <laughs> we got some, we got some gamer news. Um. Don't we always? Yeah, you're not allowed to listen to this podcast unless you're a certified gameroni, gamerino. <laughs> so, uh, whichever yep. you prefer, you yeah. know, gameroni <laughs> or gamerino, those are the two genders, it's fine. Um. <laughs> You right there? I <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I, I want to make sure that I get them right. G- G- Gameroni and Gamerino. Those are the two genders. Yeah. Okay. Those are the two genders. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Don't you know? Don't get them mixed up. Don't, yes. Don't go misgendering people. Yeah. Who, res- you know. <laughs> re- 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 make sure to just be respectful. Is, is all that just we have. Yeah. Yeah. Respect you know. will be returned with patience and kindness as is appropriate. <laughs> uh Gamerinos. Yes. Game of, what's up, Gamerinos and Gameroonies? This is uh that's a that seems like a this is the part where everyone finds out that our podcast has just been a Tim and Eric bit the entire time. Like <laughs> man, no, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We got news. We got news. Kyle, it it's it's pronounced Gameroni. Gameroni. Okay. Gamer. You're you're so fucking oh, canceled, man. Buddy. You're out oh of here. no. It's, oh <laughs> man. So fast too. Oh. Hey, life comes at you fast, just like it came at Ash Ketchum. Now we all know what his deal is. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, big. Uh, this has been big news in the video game world for a quite a while now. Um, at least since Blizzard released Overwatch with loot boxes, which are just some of the more egregious types of predatory monetization in video games. Um, and there's been a lot of talk, and um, we, there's been a lot of this from uh, from Jim Sterling, of course, uh, about how loot boxes are gambling, basically. They, uh, you know, gambling addicts or people who are predisposed to gambling addiction um, are sort of vulnerable to these things that are being treated like harmless you know, harmless, it's a little special surprise box you can open in your game. And of course, you know, it's a children's game for babies, so loads of little kids as well, um, which is not good. Uh, but we just thought we would bring it up today because there's been uh, uh, a UK uh, UK charity has published a report. It's a UK gambling charity about the link between loot boxes and gambling addiction, basically. Yeah. Um and we found they found some things that are are pretty grim but aren't very surprising. So they looked at seven thousand seven hundred loot box purchasers uh, and found that just five percent of those generate half of the loot box revenues. Um, and that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's paid sort of attention to how um, predatory monetization works. It goes for whales, which is people who have 
the money to spend and are sort of able to to be kind of suckered in by sort of the 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 psychological tricks that these games use uh and often they don't actually have the money to spend but they they can access the money uh and perhaps you know get themselves in a lot of financial trouble so that they can get a new fucking tracer skin which is just embarrassing for everyone <laughs> yeah just everyone everyone involved should probably be at least some level ashamed of themselves um some of us at least had the decency to start a co- podcast about it uh but <laughs> it's this like i mean the long and short of it is just the, the the video games industry popped up so quickly and in so many sort of like it really like it, it started to contest like like in various parts of industry super fast and kind of just spread out because Mm-hmm. That's how like the post nineteen nineties technological boom just happened, and then when gaming just kind of took over, all of a sudden, like, like I I didn't necessarily think like it, it makes sense that like gambling would have to be something that would be addressed eventually in video games. But when you know I was like ten years old and playing with my friends, the Mario Brothers, and hanging out with you know Cloud and Tifa, I was not expecting eventually there to be this sort of like. You know, cause you know, I, I I was dumb as shit, but I was an, I was a literal child. But at the same time, you just you don't expect the various types of things, like the way the industry has grown and the way that it has, if if that makes sense, to the point to where we're just like, yeah, it's it's like now we're getting children addicted to get gambling. It's like you know, it's 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 like a it's like when like a there's it's like an old movie footage of a like a thirteen year old smoking cigarettes. It's like mm-hmm. nothing nothing ever changes. It's just like now it's even dumber. Uh yeah, I just like this this stuff is it's so transparent too, but at the same time, you know, it's just it's capitalism. Yeah, this uh report has found um a third of the players that they that they uh looked at um of that group of of 7,700 who who purchased loot boxes, they found a third um are are what the charity would categorize as problem gamblers. Um, so this is either attracting people with gambling problems or creating people with gambling problems, probably a little bit of column A and B. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say ab- about this report is it's, I think it's, it's pretty fucking toothless in, in its, um, in what it calls for. Uh, the solutions it calls for are, uh, basically, more transparency. Uh, it says here, uh, clear definitions of loot boxes, game labeling and enforceable age ratings, full disclosure of odds, spending limits, and prices shown in real currency. I just think that those are, like, pretty weak suggestions. Yeah. But, like, what it comes down to is you are selling gambling to kids, and it's for nothing, like you don't even stand to like, at least if you go to a fucking casino, you might win a bit of money. Yeah. Uh, and this, it's like, you might get the fucking skin you want for fucking Reinhardt. Like, it's it sucks ass, man. It's so much worse than regular like heavily monetized shit where it's like you know if if you you can have all these skins but you gotta buy them uh, or. <laughs> Or you gotta you gotta pay money for better weapons and stuff because like as much as that sucked, at least you would get the thing. You would know you're getting the thing. With this, you're you're buying the chance to get something. Maybe 
at least when I was smoking cigarettes, I got to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. They taste they taste great. You, you get to look cool. Smell terrible, but like You get to look so cool. You look really Listen, cool. If there's yeah. any like if there's any quite young people listening, cigarettes, <laughs> you look so fucking cool. Yeah. And then You look so goddamn cool. And then you die younger. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna die horribly hey, but you're gonna look cool as hell it's actually it's its own kind of gambling in a way uh, with uh, things like cancer and emphysema um, but like at least I, at least I got to indulge that, that's a real indulgence right like that's a real like if you're just gonna like go for it costuming in video games is the most basic shit in video games it just belongs mm-hmm. in it, you just put it in the game and you just give it to yeah. people. But back no, in my day, that was free. That was part of the game. Yeah, back in my back in back in our day, they used to used to go to the store and buy a full finished video game. And then you went home and you played it. And now it's like you buy one third of a game and then they just give you these little like shots throughout of like content to where it's just like like for real, it's it's a it's costumes. Cost, like they they are going to they are going to monetize the air we fucking breathe at some point, just like absolutely. Well, I mean, you could have poverty probably make that argument, like you know, like and uh, <laughs> no, 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 not gonna do that. We could we could do that, but we don't need to play like seven degrees of capitalism, like the Kevin Bacon game. Uh, and it can instead just say that this is bad and it is yeah it's like it's like it's just like putting a bunch of toddlers in a casino and saying this is fine like don't yeah worry i mean about that's it. that's what it is and that's what's so grotesque about it right is that uh it's it's designed in such a way that you're going to spend way more money than if you could just buy all the shit you wanted because it's you're not really selling like whether it's skins or weapons or whatever a game is putting in the loot box you're not really selling those so much as you're selling the excitement of opening the loot box. It's that little fucking thrill you get when you're seeing it open and being like fucking, you know, anything could be in there. It's the thrill you get when you fucking you pull the arm on the fucking slot machine. It's like, hey, theoretically, anything is is about to happen like that's I think that's a big part of the of what really gets gamblers. It's that sort of rush in that moment. Yeah. And. You, you know, you wouldn't get that if it was just like, yeah, here's all the skins. You can just buy the skins you want. Um, so by ter- by gamifying microtransactions with gambling, uh, it, it's made it so much more predatory than it needs to be. And and again, these were already shitty predatory uh, things that, that games were doing with all these microtransactions. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I think that for a gambling charity especially... They should be bold enough to be calling for these to be straight up illegal. Yeah. They shouldn't be fucking around with all these. Oh, you've got to label it all properly. No, they're selling fucking gambling to kids. Like, like you're not writing the law. You can you can be a little ambitious with what you demand. You should you should be the people who are there being like, no, this should be flat out illegal. You should not be able to fucking do this. Um, mm. So, so it, it is disturbing to me that they'll find that like this is having an effect on like people who are vulnerable to gambling addiction to this degree. And the report talks about how many of them are kids and then they'll have such like a half hearted recommendation. That's fucking weak. Yeah. There's this like, 
Uh, there's a really easy, simple contrast that we can use to sort of cap the segment, I think, that, like, t- take on the one hand this sort of process of negotiation saying, okay, we need to attach warnings here, put a limitation on ages, you know, this, it, it, this ex- an acceptance as something that can exist that did not exist very recently. It's going to mm. sound familiar, right, with various sort of, like, agencies in the United States federal government that are in charge of things like homeland security and immigration mm-hmm. and customs enforcement, whatever agencies are in charge of those two things. I can't remember. Um, no way to know. Yeah, no, no, impossible. Uh, contrast the idea that it's just like, okay, this thing that exists hasn't existed for that long. When you're saying, okay, we need to do X, Y, and Z in order for it to, you know, be acceptable. That's accepting that this thing should exist in the first place. And take that take that particular kind of advocacy. Not to, again, not to say that this group is necessarily wrong. Those are things that could happen, but it is weak because these things don't need to exist. As we were just saying, there used to be a time to where you just bought a video game and it came with all the stupid bullshit. You unlocked it by playing the video game, not by paying more money. None of that mm-hmm. stuff. Contrast that with like we don't even need to use like you don't even need to use like Marxist. It doesn't need to be a left wing party. Like my fa- my favorite type of advocacy, the contrast is with is a group that everyone should know about, everyone should read about if you want to organize anything. And it's the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power called ACT UP, mm-hmm. headed by a hero of mine, a guy named Larry Kramer. And this is this is direct action to address the AIDS crisis in end of the nineteen eighties as the Reagan administration was massacring LGBTQ people in the United States through uh, completely ignoring, you know, everything that people were saying. ACT UP was a grassroots organization and a direct action organization. They got a lot done and has been sort of like, and at least the books that I read about, you know, popular, about, you know, political history and, you know, popular movements, ACT UP is referenced frequently as like, mm-hmm. Like this is how you do. This is how you get things done. You say that this is not acceptable. You don't try and negotiate with like the person who was holding you hostage. Yeah. Because it's just that like this is a this is someone who has taken people hostage over and over again and has demonstrated that they are not going to negotiate in a way that's going to lead to lasting change. Like there is no, like there's no way around it. Direct confrontation and direct action is what gets the goods a clear goal and advocating for a particular issue and then a plan to like from the bottom up organize around and act directly upon that particular issue so yeah there's a i think that's a i i mean funny i really do think that's an extremely useful political contrast to make in between like advocate advocating for the like like uh, the regulation of loot boxes, or just like no, fuck those fucking things. Why do yeah they fuck shouldn't them. they shouldn't exist? Fuck it, Hon- get rid honestly, of it. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought up ice because I think that's such a great example of ultimately the the reason that liberalism always results in the ratchet effect, yeah. right? Where they always are pulling things to the right and then never letting them go back the other way. Because no matter how horrible something is, um. And uh, this is a, this charity doing the loot box thing is a British one. This is a big element of British liberalism, but Americans uh, should find it very familiar as well. No matter how horrible something is, the liberals will immediately accept the premise that it exists and then start sort of triangulating around how to make it a little more acceptable. 
Yeah. Like it, nowhere amongst like liberals is there any discussion of like, oh hey, uh, ice is like a really recent thing. We can just get rid of it. It'll be fine. We don't we don't need it. Yeah. Um instead it's just like, well, ice is as natural as, you know, <laughs> fucking rain and and sun. Um so It's in the because, name. It's called ice. Yeah, it's called ice. It's made of water. The the earth is 75% water. We can't get rid of it, obviously. So then the conversation just becomes, "Oh, how can we reform it and make it nicer?" when it should just be like, "No, get rid of it." Same with loot boxes. Don't shut the fuck up about labeling things properly. You should be calling for the absolute removal of these things. They suck. They ruin games. They prey on people who are vulnerable to fucking uh, predatory gambling bullshit. Like, they're not good for anyone except for, like, a few CEOs who, frankly, can fuck off and perish. There was once a very, like, large national conversation that went into presidential campaigns in the United States about whether or not you should abolish the CIA. That used to be a national conversation. That was a conversation that people had at one point. And I know there's some people that are going to be like, Fuck me, right? Some people are going to be like, "Oh yeah, I know that." But like 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 there's a there's a reason learn more about George H.W. Bush. Uh just this the sort of TLDR there. But like mm. there like we used to be able to say stuff like that and you know, this is what happens when you have this is what happens when you let Bill Clinton tell people what to do. Because then you have people saying, well, well, we, we don't want to ask for too much now. We want to make sure <laughs> that the, they're, they're going to be on our side. If we're just nice, they're going to be nice. back. It's just like, I mean, I hate, to, I hate to say Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football because we all know that that's how it is. But like, you know, come on, like, give me a, give me a fucking break. Anyways. Yeah, it's, it's. Is it even small things like that? We have to we have to negotiate on loot boxes. We can't just say this is this is extremely unhealthy. And like there, you like remember like mo- another advocacy group, and then I'm gonna shut up because I can't stop. Mothers against drunk driving, mm-hmm. like mothers against drunk driving for all of the problems and you know like all the asterisks I would like to attach to yeah. the organization. But like it is a in mostly you know conservative. You know, a, a large conservative contingent of people organizing, but organizing in direct action in advocacy of a particular issue. And as a result, making like actual real lasting change around an issue that like you can't like it's just, it's just kind of ridiculous that you can't even ask for that nowadays. I love I love late capitalist political imagination. It whips ass. Yeah, it's so narrow. And I think that's why it's so important to like study like the history of politics in your own country, even though it can be, you know, it can be kind of boring sometimes, but like you'll be so much better off for it, for having that perspective of being able to say, Oh no. Yeah. There was a time when like, it was a political position you could have like, yeah, we need to abolish the CIA and you wouldn't immediately be seen as like the most insane person ever. You couldn't say that today in a room full of liberals. They look at you like you had fucking five heads. Yeah. Because again, we we've reached this this point where the CIA is an institution, therefore it is eternal. Um, but no, of course it's not. People made it. But what if I want that institution to punish my political enemies? Yeah, woo, yeah. And don't don't worry if you're a fucking like piece of shit lib, it will. Um, but I think that's a good segue into the game we're going to talk about today, which I think is a game that. 
that wears a surprisingly radical politics on its sleeve, like very aggressively in a way that I think people could maybe learn a little something from. It is a game that is dear to both of our hearts. Uh, it is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. You gonna stand there and pretend you can't hear the player crying out in pain? I know you can! I'd worry less about the planet and more about the next five seconds. What do you what do you what do you make of this remake, Kyle? Oh, I'm a simp. Uh, <laughs> Simping for the make. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, like, we'll we'll, we'll get into it. How you know, it's not. It's like there is no perfect video game, and it's not a perfect video game. But the remake was is very is particularly in the way that it's sort of uh it's very intentional in what it's trying to do and it executes that incredibly well uh Hmm. i had i had high expectations and thus were preparing to have my high expectations sort of like not met and then to have them exceeded was sort of a fairly you know, jarring experience because I knew it was going to be good. I was just, I like, I knew there was going to be a remastered score and that like the game could have been dog shit, but if I had that remastered score, man, it was, that was going to be perfect. (laughs) But, uh, and aside from that, they, they managed to take a game, like, as you said, um, very, very dear to me. Probably if I were, if I had to pick a, I sort of divide my, if I had, if I had to like crown an all time favorite video game, I Mm. usually stick that in two different categories one is the game that is crowned from childhood and one is just like the current late my current all-time favorite and my crowning reigning childhood game is final fantasy 7 a game i have played over 100 times i own goddamn oh like i have the i also am like a like a weirdly compulsive like i i i have my original copies of seven eight and nine and I have multiple copies of them because I used to wear out the discs. I just play them over and over and over again. Um, Hell yeah. And, you know, I was really, really cool when I was in high school. I used to play Final Fantasy VII while listening to Democracy Now. That was like real, you know, that was like some real Friday, Saturday night fair um, <laughs> for me. Precocious shithead. But uh, <laughs> it was like what they managed to do with the remake that I find so compelling is that they managed to not paper over, but resurface and breathe a lot of air into the sort of political gestures at the core of the game that Mm -hmm. uh, we only have one third of the game so far. But what we do know is that the complexity that we all very effectively, I would say, read into the original game that, of course, you know, starts to go into, you know, angels and you know planets exploding and stuff like that more coherence to that part of the story than people give it credit for but i digress same thing with eight as well actually um but Mm. there's this like quality to the characters that they have sort of brought into the present that i just there's a reason why this game is fucking timeless and there's a reason why if they were if they made it a, if they just decided like yeah we're just gonna make it a passion project it was so ubiquitous when it came out if we just try and fully realize it in its present moment and not just give everyone what they want but like realize that 
in in like that game is going to be what everybody wants in and of itself as long as they make a good video game and they made a good video game and goddamn uh yeah i'm to go I'm down that slide remake you know <laughs> oh yeah the slide yeah oh. um i'm 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 it takes it takes a lot of winning over for me when it comes to like remakes yeah. of of anything um just because my my default position is this is a cynical cash grab, um, especially if I liked the original thing. Like if I if I didn't like the original thing, it's like hey maybe they'll make it good or they'll improve it. But if I liked it, it's like I'm not expecting them to improve on it. So why would I want this thing? Like why would I care? Right. Um, but this no this game does an amazing job at yeah not just doing the the easy thing which would have just been doing a. a sort of one for one remake but of kind of i mean it gets kind of uh curious about the idea of, of a remake in general which i think is really fun and meta but also yeah it does do a lot of things to kind of bring it into into the the modern world um and i want to talk a bit about a character who really stands out to me but first i just want to um talk about something a little less substantial which is just the game is so fucking pretty man yeah um and i I didn't really have high expectations of this game because I don't like a lot of modern Final Fantasy. Um, I don't think it's that good. I think anyone who's listened to our Final Fantasy IX episode will have heard me complaining about thirteen, probably. Um, I think that they, ever since they decided to move away from turn-based combat, which is not a move I agree with, they've been really struggling to make it good. Yeah. In thirteen, it wasn't that good. Uh, in fifteen. I didn't. I think some people preferred it, but I, I, I didn't think it was very good in fifteen. Yeah, me neither. At fifteen, I thought mm. it was fifteen in general. I could do your whole thirteen bit about fifteen at some point. <laughs> yeah, fifteen was bad. I wanted to like it because it's it is nice just driving around with the lads. Like I yeah. love that shit, but the rest of the game sucked ass, man. Um, but uh, is seven remake? Oh my god, the combat fantastic they did it like they've been trying to figure out how to make uh final fantasy combat work in live action yeah. um not live action what am i trying to say in real time that's it <laughs> active, time um, and active time yeah and they did it i i really think that the combat system in this game is fantastic i really enjoyed it um i i would there was no point where i was sitting there just being like eh, this this could have just been turn-based and it would have been fine like they they nailed it I thought it was really nice. Yeah, they uh, um, they managed to. I I think the best example of, well, uh, maybe mm, yeah, probably. It, I think at least my favorite fight in the first part of the remake was the fight against the Hell House. The Hell House in general mm. actually represents so two. There are two two cool things about the Hell House. One, the Hell House is sort of this symbolic representation of like the the mindset they had going into this game because we all remember the fucking hell house and for if you haven't played yeah. if you haven't played final fantasy 7 there was this enemy in random encounters that was this it was just when you first encountered it you're like the fuck is that thing it's just a house and then as you hit it eventually it loses <laughs> some damage and then it bursts out arms and legs and all of a sudden it's this like sick monster thing 
most ridiculous Alice in Wonderland shit. Like I love, I loved that. Everyone remembered that enemy. Yeah, and they made it a very, very like big boss fight. I'd, I think the first boss fight I had ended up having a lot, not a lot, but like having a notable amount of difficulty with. Um, yeah, I almost got fucking KO'd on that. Like, yeah, me too. It was it was rough. It's a good fight. <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's very entertaining. A very sort of fast. The pacing of the remake is incredible, um, and it's and the aesthetics are also really good. Um, in that sort of, you know, it, which is that Hell House fight, which is in the Wall Market. Um, I had a really remarkable moment when, in preparation for the episode, I was replaying certain. I had certain saves from around the game, so I just would kind of, was kind of jumping around and looking at the environments and talking to people and taking notes. And there was one thing that I did that. I still remember I walked up to the front of Don Corneo's house and rather than walking in um, as I planned to do, I stopped for a second and I looked up. Um, I encourage anyone at any point during the Final Fantasy VII review, if you're like me and you're kind of fidgety and you just like run around on the ground looking at all the shiny things, (laughs) just fucking stop for a second and just like listen, turn up the volume, listen to the environment and then look up at the plate yeah and then think about what this game is saying in terms of the occupation and the control of the social commons and social space and how our ability to access the most basic of like human needs in this case being sunlight the the foot the fucking pizza as we call it i don't know why i said that like a fucking paisano uh, <laughs> hey, there's a fucking a pizza covered in a slum, and now it's now it's a slum, and it's an old dog. My name is my name is a Bar- Barrett is a uh, canon Italian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, confirmed Italian. <laughs> uh, he uh, uh any, anyways the, the there is I'm I'm re- right now I'm reading uh, uh Donald Reed's book um about the uh the the lip affair in France the. Essentially, the the <laughs> like on two different occasions, uh, a bunch of workers at a watch factory um, seized the factory, um, occupied it for months at a time, include and and during that time seized watch parts, and then as a democratic union authorized to then begin assembling those watch parts, selling the watches and paying their own salaries. Um, and I've been thinking. Have, first of all, about how they managed to do this. They did it once in 1971, I believe. And then four years later, during this is a sort of like post-1968 moment in France. And really the inheritor to the revolutionary moment of May of 1968, because rather than a student movement resulting in a corresponding general strike and combining with a workers' movement, it was conversed. When workers needed them and students came to support the workers, welcomed them openly, and they combined into this sort of like everyone was talking about this shit for years um, that was happening at this wash factory. Um, and it was basically an opportunity for workers to assert themselves and take control of the social commons um, in a way that people hadn't tried to do since 1968. Um, at the great sort of compromise with liberal de Gaullism and stuff like that. So to play Final Fantasy VII, a game that has taken a lot of the logic of our contemporary moment to just very 
like to various extremes, particularly in terms of environmental degradation, mm -hmm. it still it retains such a level of coherency in the like the way that avalanche out of out of absolute necessity um has sort of needed to resort to sort of like revolutionary action uh and even revolutionary violence in order to facilitate enough of a rupture in change in their environment to where the the people who they know and they love dearly as well as the entirety of the planet like stand to gain even the slightest when it what they know is mostly abject poverty it's another beautiful thing about the social space of the game is that the slums it's just so like like i just like I just had my mouth fucking agape at yeah. just like I know these places so intimately, even though now it's like an entire the 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 sector the sector seven slums is now this entire network of places you can go rather than three screens. Like I I I I both in terms of my nostalgia emotionally want to advocate for Avalanche, who are advocating for the good of their entire planet, and we know that they're in the right. They're they're clear heroes in this situation, and they're come and they're weird mish, mishmash. Like remember at the top at the top of the building when Reno in the original game, they're just like a waitress, a mercenary, a a a, a science experiment, and uh, <laughs> just like I am Captain Planet, kind of this really weird like Mouseketeers kind of like coalescing of their various stories. Mm -hmm. um which is just kind of how like real life is we're all this weird pack of weirdos that all kind of it's how organizing is at least you end up with people that you never you see like 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 grandmas organizing militantly with like 25 year old communists and then they become like yeah. friends and stuff it's some real like dodo ass shit like <laughs> some real like dog and elephant become friends stuff which is like but it's like this is how this is how our stories work, and this is what it means to like feel passionately in the advocacy for working people in an environment that's just I'm so that we both are by virtue of our relationship with this game so familiar with. Um, yeah, and it's really remarkable. I'm so glad you brought up your that you instructed people to to look up um, because I <laughs> I was doing that constantly when I was playing because I kept I would I would kind of like figure out where I was in relation to like the different parts of the plate, especially after one of the parts collapses. I was always looking up like it, it becomes almost like you're guiding sort of, uh, it's the main landmark. Yeah. No matter where you are is the fucking plate above you. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's that classically heavy handed cyberpunk type metaphor where it's just like, here is the, very literal representation of like an underclass you know yep. you're underneath physically underneath the rich people yep and it's like you know it's not the cleverest thing anyone's ever written but like it there's a reason i think that people keep writing things like that because the sometimes invisibility of class society in the real world can be kind of frustrating and how it can be obfuscated there's something almost it's almost an escapist fantasy unto itself to have a ruling class who are stupid enough yeah. to just be like, we're going to give you just such an undeniable, obvious uh, like image 
of of class society to sort of rally around um we're just gonna like build our houses literally on top of you <laughs> yeah um but it is a game that is very very interested in class obviously and in sort of what uh you know the extractive processes of capitalism are doing to the world that we need to like be alive and i think that's why um I want to talk about Barrett's character specifically because I think that he really fucking comes into his own in the remake. Um, and I liked him in the original, but he was, and, and and this is probably at least partially down to the translators, uh, translating of Japanese, like video games and TV and stuff has gotten a lot better since the original game came out. Um, but he was, he was, he was almost comical like he was kind of like black exploitationy and he was really over the top and i you don't get the impression in a lot of scenes that you're meant to take him really seriously like um he was kind of funny in the original yeah um but i think in the remake he he takes on this whole different character and like a lot of the dialogue is the same but just the the delivery of the voice acting and just the way it's framed is so different um, I, I recently put out a YouTube video about Judas and the Black Messiah that is out now. Definitely once, once this is out and people are listening to it. Um, uh, and while doing that, obviously I was, I was l reading about Fred Hampton a lot. I was listening to him talk a lot. And I really, really think that, that Barrett, um, is at least partially uh, influenced by Black Panthers. Uh, you know, he's got that kind of look. He's always wearing sunglasses and shit. But also, just in the way he talks, he really reminds me of Hampton. He's got this almost, like, preacher kind of way. It's just, like, down to his cadence. I feel like if you listen to some of the shit he says back-to-back, -back, it's like, there's such an obvious influence there to me, which I find really interesting um, and I know that, like, the image of the Black Panther and, like, the, the 60s, 70s Black Revolutionary are are kind of in popular culture, somewhat disconnected from their politics, in a way. Um, but considering the politics that Barrett actually has, I find it very interesting, because it's not disconnected from that kind of thing. He himself stands out so much in this game. Like, he's, like, seven feet tall, about as wide. Um, you know, he's got a giant fucking gun for an arm. Like, any room he enters, he just... He's such a, a dominating presence just because he's fucking... He's huge. He's loud. Like, he's so boisterous in contrast to Cloud, who just doesn't really, like... You know, he, he pretends that he's cool. He doesn't talk too much. And I find that really interesting because I feel like the player can put themselves in cloud shoes at the beginning and just be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just cool, normal RPG protagonist. Who's this guy with all these politic ideas? Um, but the game itself sort of vindicates Barrett's ideas at every turn. And then as it goes on, you and cloud, you start coming around to it and being, you know, by the by even the halfway point, like you're you're invested, you're you're down with Avalanche, you know, even if you weren't at the beginning. Yeah, there is something, you know, I, I'm not I'm not someone who's into authorial intent, so, you know, I don't really give a shit, but I think something that's very powerful about Barrett is the existing power. Th think about the present, 
think about the presence in the United States, for example, of um an an unimpeded black man, uh, considering mm-hmm. the history of the United States. It's it, it like by virtue of your exi- This is what you know. People who study this type of a thing are saying by ver- by virtue of your existence, you you exist as a critique of the foundations of contemporary economy of the United States because you are an unenslaved black person. Yeah. And existing in that contrast, it's so per- like it's perfect that you brought up the Panther- Panthers for the record I completely agree. I think at the very least there's a metatextual element that like if it came through in the aesthetic, well, it came out in the politics as well. Yeah. Um, because I was thought I thought a lot about Huey Newton when we were preparing for this episode. And I thought in particular about in the beginning of his biography where he talks about, um, I also thought about this in my, the piece I recently wrote for the bias about the Bessemer union contrasting um, in uh, Robin Kelly's book about the Birmingham area. um, uh, There's these, there's always these sort of like, like these like, social spaces of class that bring themselves sort of like forth in social geography. In the case of Huey Newton, it's Oakland. So there's, I think what they call it the flatlands and then the, the hilly area, which is where basically the bosses live. That's where the, the bourgeoisie lives up in the hills and the flatlands is for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, come on, that's a foot. Like the hills are a plate. Yeah. You know, totally. in, in Birmingham, there's the, the the suburbs of Birmingham that had, like, mansions, which is where all of these fucking coal barons, like, these absolute, like, real cretins of, like, American society who, like, basically these, like, extraction capitalists that sucked all the resources out of the surrounding areas of the Birmingham, Alabama area, and sent it out for, either manufactured it in part there, and then, uh exported the steel or sent the ingredients out themselves or imported the ingredients and then sent out the steel is extracted basically like it's colonialism in the metropole um Mm. and this is all just to say that like not only not only is barrett this like sort of embodiment of a revolutionary position by virtue of from everything from his words to who he is as a person but that is directly linked to the contrast in the society in midgar how you have very as you were saying a very literal like upper class living in you know tanning in the sun while the lower classes that essentially allow them to have as much you know comfort and leisure as they do you know have to suffer because of it um Mm. really really powerful there is a there is a reason why this sort of like mythologizing of the like you know the, there's a reason why the tale of two cities keeps like getting updated and updated is because the tale the real life tale of two cities uh it's not just two cities anymore it's it keeps updating itself and it keeps getting more complicated i think we're about to find this out with amazon um yeah. that like there has been a big fundamental way to the way that workers see themselves in modern society that they don't often at all characterize themselves based off of their class position that the vast majority of the time we are displaced and sort of like 
our subjectivity is being occupied by some other, I don't know, probably like a Marvel fandom or something. Like we, <laughs> like we do, that's what we do instead. We do that stuff. We post on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I'm not a worker. I'm a Spider-Man fan. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm Spider-Man. Like, it's just, this is what this is what we do instead. And, like, this is what Barrett's, like, looking around and just, like, bro. <laughs> like, what the, f- what in the holy fuck are we doing? And to be completely honest, like. It's relatable sometimes. Yeah, I, I yeah. relate to it so much, and and it's it's that that sincerity, that complete like unironic, unrestrained like passionate sincerity that he has. There's a couple um, scenes in the game where you're on like a train, and you see Barrett interact with like normal fucking people who don't give a shit, like businessmen and stuff, and like he he can barely fucking contain himself, like he. He physically has to, like, restrain himself from, like, fucking picking these people up by the shoulder and shaking them and being like, no, you don't get it. The planet is literally dying. We're all fucked if we don't do something. Like, the the gravity and reality of the situation is never lost on him. And it can make him come off as, like, crazy to, to people who... Yeah. Or, you know, are, are whether by choice or by uh, conditioning they've received... Or just by necessity to be able to get through the fucking day, don't want to think about it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that in an environment like what you describe, where a lot of people can't even comprehend themselves as workers, they, you know, no, I'm a, I'm a DC fan. I, I, I want to see the Snyder Cut. That's who I am, you know? Um, in, in a world where a lot of people are like that, I think that we kind of need that almost unhinged, um, sincerity that you see from a character like Barrett, and that I think you saw from a lot, not just Panthers, but from like a lot of revolutionaries from more mid 20th century when I think people were a little bolder and had a, a, a little more of a vibrant uh, and, and positive imagination of what the future could look like. Um, I think you need to be able to post cringe every now and then and to just really unabashedly be like, no, this is what's going on. This is what we need to do about it. Like, we cannot go on like this. You got to be able to get up there every day and say, I am a revolutionary. You know what I mean? It's shit like that. Like, that's the essence, I think, of a character like Barrett. Yeah, and it's the, it's the, it's the essence of his very honest politics that have at its core sort of, like... Barrett, Barrett's Barrett's literally formed a revolutionary cell. Uh, <laughs> there's this really great, uh, which is like that's intense, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, if you did that in the United States, it probably wouldn't be a very good idea. I'm gonna go on the I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go on the record. One of my favorite clips in the entire world is uh, um, my problematic. It's my problematic husband, uh, Michael Hart. I've had a crush on him for years too, but I really do. I actually very much admire his writing. Um, there's a clip of Michael Hart in the documentary uh, Ex- Examine Life, and he's a, it's Michael Hart in a rowboat in, the, <laughs> in New York City, and he's talking about how he and a bunch of other people during a lot of the revolutions in Latin America in the 1980s uh, went over there to see, you know, basically how can we help? And a lot of them said, hey, honestly, we're glad you're here to see. I, we know you want to see sort of like how things are happening. That's great. But like the best thing that you can do is to go make revolution in your own country. 
And Michael Hart's like, okay, I'm from the United States. How do I do that? And they were mm-hmm. like, okay, what you do is you get a bunch of guns and your friends and you go to the mountains. You have mountains, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you go there and then you form a revolutionary cell. And he's like thinking in his head, okay, so that probably wouldn't work uh, as well <laughs> here as it did. And I don't know. I don't remember exactly where he was. I don't, it wasn't Nicaragua. I can't remember. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, that's what that's. Like, there's the contrast that we have between the world of Final Fantasy VII and a lot of the places where we live. I don't think many of us should be forming revolutionary cells. But I think there's two things that we should be doing that are absolutely embodied in Barrett's character. One is what Kay said, which is posting cringe. I'm sorry, if you're going to actually organize, it is required, you are required to encourage and not, not just encourage people, but also like teach people and be patient and also ask have expectations of people and when they don't meet those expectations hold them to that and be accountable for it and do so all in a way that reminds them that we're doing this because the work that we're doing is very important and it's not just about me and it's not just about my workplace either but it's about my community and it's about giving people an example that we do have power we can achieve it um yeah you can't do that without being sincere you can't do that without having sincere reasons for wanting to do what you're doing because you're not going to be able to convince people to trust you enough to put their job on the line when they need to um you're not going to be able to convince them of that if you don't have good enough reason to do this type of a thing so like barrett barrett is right barrett is right if there's anything about like this podcast, <laughs> the most sincere thing that we can say on this podcast, probably for the rest of its entirety of its existence, is that Barrett Wallace is absolutely correct. Um, is yeah. like 100% um, uncritical support for Barrett Wallace. Uphold Marxist Leninist Wallace. Uh, Wall- <laughs> Marx- uphold Mar- Marxism Leninism Wallaceism. Uh, yeah. I mean, Come on, like MLW. Ugh. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to, in some way, be called an MLW, a man who loves women. Oh, Kay, stop trying to make me straight. I'm. I'm so. That's kind stop of been like to... my side project for the whole pod. <laughs> in the last episode, you did say you wake up every single day and think about how to harm me, and apparently, this is your. Uh, this is your newest one. That the last one was a bit about how we played the tenants game. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, that, that sounds one. like something I would say. You know, I mean, <laughs> entirely in jest, surely. Yeah, so you know the 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 day the day when it'll be appropriate to go full avalanche will come. But yeah, probably not right now. Um, <laughs> but definitely the attitude that Barrett yeah. has is is the thing. That's definitely what I want everyone to to walk away from this. With. This is how you do reading, but th- that's a healthy way to read a video game. It's not which one of these characters is my friend. It's not which one of them sh- I want to date. Although that's fun, I get a- I get that. Um, M- most of them, to be honest, I yeah, because they are all a- kind of cool. I mean, they're all kind of cool, right? And like, yeah. I mean, the answer is still, oh, but, but it's not to be a broken record. But the answer is Barrett. Um, well, I mean, yeah, both literally like, and in all our of, imagination, all of them, just. <laughs> All of them. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a seat. Now, this is what, like, ranking uh, A to A to, or we're doing, we're doing, like, essay ratings, right? We give everyone an A to an F. Um, oh. 
Oh no, we can't do this on the pod. No, we'll get no. way too many angry messages. Yeah, that's because true. we much... someone's fave wasn't where they should be or whatever. Everyone gets an A. Everyone, everyone gets an A. Yeah, great characters. Great everyone game. gets an A. Yeah. <laughs> Vincent has a gun and a claw. He's not in this one. I know, but he has a gun. <laughs> but he's in seven, and he has a gun and a claw. Come on. He does Actually, have a gun and a claw. That's my true. favorite Final Fantasy seven. My favorite Final Fantasy character. My fandom <laughs> is not in this game, but is in Final Fantasy seven. My favorite. Maybe my favorite video game character ever. And it's just because, I don't know, there's something about a guy who smokes and yells at you. Uh, Sid, Sid Highwind lights. Oh. He lights a stick of dynamite on a cigarette. And when I saw that, I said, that's everything that I've ever wanted to be in my entire life. I both, <laughs> I both want to be with him and be him. What is this? Like, and so, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know what it is about, like, cool bomber jackets and like swearing and smoking and explosives <laughs> i know exactly i'm from florida sid is a florida man sid if if florida existed in the final fantasy universe sid sid high from seven is from florida and oh end <laughs> i think most sids in most of the games are, florida are from florida He's, sid is a florida man oh my god i think we've really cracked something open here I mean, like, if there's one thing that I can recognize, it's Floridian energy. Yeah, like, he's got it. Yeah, got for it. fucking real. Like, <laughs> oh, it's such a good game. It's a great game. Is there anything you want to say about it before we uh, we move on to the bastard? Uh, just that it's legitimately worth your time, and it's thought. It's very. Mm. It is a thoughtful game. It, it like, just like. Just go play it. Just go play it and be happy. Not all nostalgia is bad, and also not all remakes are created equally. Because also remakes, remastering, and stuff like that, it's it it is a little different when it comes to video games because there's a tradition of it. It's a it's a it's a technology. It's a medium that has recent technology, which is based off of frequent updates. Yeah. Um, uh, either to the particular hardware or now basically software updates for every game that you get because everything's attached to the internet now. Mm-hmm. So improvements are made quickly. Things are brought back. Recognize, Make a material critique. Recognize when something is just trying to get your money and emulate that. And then if something, if you feel like, I don't know, it's 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 worth your time. Don't let the fact that it's a remake get you caught up because I know I, I was with UK remakes I'm incredibly skeptical almost all the time, but I'm also a horror fan, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say if you're like me and you aren't really that into modern Final Fantasy and you're really not into um what's his name? Nomura, the like Kingdom Hearts guy who's kind Ooh. of involved in this. And there there's a couple little things where you can see his influence on it that aren't great, but like it's minor stuff, I'd say. Um yeah. This this is worth your time for sure. It, it's a great game. Um, the only downside is that, yeah, it is like a third of the game, and we're probably going to be waiting a long while for the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, like next year or something like that. If we're that, lucky. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to get pushed back at least twice like everything does. Yeah. I mean, the Midgar, um, th- this chunk of the game was always my favorite part. So I I'm I'll, I'll be interested to see if they can 
if they can do um, the next installment, if they can get me as invested in it as I was in this one. But um, let's uh, let's check out the Bastard of the Week. Bastard of the Week. It's the Bastard of the Week. The Bastard That's beautiful. of the Week. Thank you. Um, right, so the Bastard this week is Microsoft because... Um, they are collaborating with the U.S. Army to uh, design special kind of like uh, VR headsets that they're using for training, presumably um, so that they can kill civilians more effectively. Um, I think that they probably looked at previous wars such as Afghanistan and Iraq, um, and they were saying, you know what, you killed a lot of civilians, but you could do more. We could pump those numbers up. Uh, and so Microsoft, uh, they they heard the call and said, we can help you pump those numbers up. Microsoft decided to develop its own. Uh, uh, they decided that they would like to make two, $21 billion over 10 years so they can make an omnidirectional treadmill virtual reality uh, brown people shooter. Um, <laughs> uh, is the treadmill is... dome thing, was that them as well? <laughs> Oh no, no, it okay. wasn't. But it, like the, the <laughs> no, definitely, definitely, definitely not. Um, but yeah, it basically it looks like it, it's basically going to be it's it's augmented reality to do simu to simulate uh, uh, murders abroad, um, and it's definitely going to be used to protect freedom and democracy, and not to murder civilians and children, and just you know do a lot of extrajudicial like. Uh, real fun stuff. All do all the stuff that all all the things you love from your from your favorite character, the United States. We got everything. We got slavery. We've got imperialism. We've got uh neoliberal hegemony. We've got everyone listening to watching all of our shit all over the world, no matter how terrible. We've got young Sheldon. Oh my You're God. welcome, everybody. We're, we're, we give we give you the Iraq <laughs> War, and we give you Young Sheldor. The what if a little boy were a computer and mean? Um, <laughs> I've been watching that show. By the way, it's on. Oh, why? What? It's oh 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 oh. I have seen every single episode of Last Man Standing. I grew up in a Christian conservative house. I'm used to pain. <laughs> this is my form of it's like so i'm like the guy in angels and demons i'm just doing self-flagellation at home but it is by watching like conservative television i have to know what it means we uh, we're gonna have to have an intervention about this but uh, we're gonna have to do an entire podcast about young sheldon i mean an entire, an entire podcast about your troubling self-harm uh i'm gonna habits. get the i'm gonna get the liquid guy to do it oh my god don't 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 do that to him you know, it's literally like I'm an American. If there's, I only do one nationalism. The only nationalism I do is my solemn duty as an American to traumatize the British. Yeah, you know what? I can't argue with that. That is, your yeah. Duty. You, that's if you want to your... get in the way of my national mission, that's fine. But I don't think that's gone well for people who have tried to do that to the United States before. So. <laughs> Kyle's gonna fucking drone strike me. I apparently, yeah, apparently using, I have using uh, a Microsoft uh, headset. That's <laughs> um, yeah. But what's interesting about this story is um, uh, a year ago, Microsoft, a load of Microsoft workers wrote um, a letter basically saying, "Hey, what the fuck? 
you know, we thought we were making video game stuff, and now we find out that our that what we've made is being used to help the U.S. government quote increase lethality uh, on on uh, in their military missions. That's not what we the signed same. up to do. <laughs> um, to which the CEO basically responded, uh, "Fuck you, <laughs> we're gonna do it anyway." Fuck you. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, that is CEO um, just Satya no smiley Nadella. face yeah just no <laughs> heart <laughs> no yeah <laughs> um, and that also um, so there's this headset and there's also something that people who've been watching E3 for a long time might remember from like five years ago maybe uh, something called Microsoft Mesh which was like it was basically like a tabletop hologram um, that you could interact with with a special glove. It looked really fucking cool. I think they used Minecraft to show it off. Right. Um, and anyone who was like me and saw that and was like, ooh, I'm going to, you know, kind of follow this, see how this develops, uh, they'll notice that it disappeared. It, you stopped hearing about it, and that was right. because it got bought up by the U.S. military. So Yeah, anytime something cool goes away, that's exactly what fucking happened to it. They're going to use it to kill babies. Yeah. So you can thank Microsoft for fucking over their staff who thought they were going to, like, help you play Minecraft better and being like, nope, it's going to be used to fucking blow up hospitals and and butcher human beings. Opposite. I'm sure that that isn't, like, a horrifying thing that a lot of people out there are going to be losing sleep over for the rest of their lives. Great job, Microsoft. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice work. Yeah, so, uh, and that's why Microsoft is the the bastard of the week. (laughs) All of this is to say, fuck Microsoft. Yeah, fuck Microsoft. I mean, come on. Fuck Microsoft. Jesus. I am really enjoying the 5G I'm getting with my vaccine, but we should, (laughs) we should be like, that should be a public, this should be traded as a public utility. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't had my vaccine yet, um, so maybe once I get it, I'll change my tune and I'll think, actually, it's really cool that Microsoft is doing this. We'll see. <laughs> actually, um, Bill Gates can drink all the children's blood he, want, he <laughs> wants. Yeah, well, we need to get this pod out. This episode, we have to make sure it's out before I get the COVID vaccine so that uh, the listeners will be able to know if if we've been compromised. <laughs> <laughs> P- PSA for everyone, if you're already trans, you don't need the vaccine, obviously, yeah. so don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> Which, and for the other, there's a chart about however your particular transition you need it to go, which one that you're supposed to get. Um, uh, you know, so if you, if you want to be appropriately, uh, um, if, uh, appropriately inoculated against, um, Gender. (laughs) We could all use a little gender inoculation, to be completely honest. Come on, we're all a little obsessed with the idea. There's a little too much of it. Um, Yeah, that's why there's the different brands of vaccine, right? There's like the Pfizer one. Um, Don't get that one if you're a trans man, because it'll it'll just it'll set you right back. Um, But if you're a trans woman, go for that one. <laughs> set your set your right back is a. <laughs> it's just yeah. It's it's got uh, the special uh, CIA uh, estrogen that they don't want you to know about. It'll, it'll you'll get like five years worth of HRT uh, in, in one <laughs> shot. 
And I can't continue this bit because I don't remember what the other um, vaccine brands are. I don't even whatever. remember what you said the first one. Uh, I said Pfizer. Pfizer. Uh, yeah. Baby shampoo. Johnson & Johnson. Um, Is one of them Johnson & Johnson? Yeah. That's weird. Oh, you should look into Johnson and Johnson. They're horrifying. Oh, is it going to turn out to be one of those companies that just owns everything? Yes. Cool. Yeah. Known for one thing. Known for Any one thing. Elf. Owns everything. Okay. Let's do plugs and get out of here. We, we're all. We've got the right vaccine. We know what's going hey, on. We're plugging. We, we we got the vaccine. We can do plugs. Yeah. Um, listen. The only vaccine I need is video games. Okay. <laughs> And YouTube videos, which you can watch. I have a new one. Uh, it's about No Man's Sky and uh, capitalism. Shocker. Uh, you can watch it at Labor Kyle on YouTube.com slash Labor Kyle, actually. And then you can follow me on Twitter at the same place and tell me that I didn't understand No Man's Sky, which is about believing in yourself and following your dreams or whatever those people are saying to me right now. Yeah, no Man's Sky <laughs> is about the friends you made along the way in space. Um, no, That's it's a really good video. basically what they're saying. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't want to drag those people too much, but they're like, man, you didn't understand this game. And I'm like, did you? The game, it said what I said. Anyway, oh my goodness. People who get like mad that they don't like your reading of a text are the weirdest people. Like, imagine commenting, just be like, "No, I think this game's about something else." It's like, "Well, go make a fucking YouTube video about it, then, you little shit." I mean, it's just kind. Of, it, it is kind of a weird thing to be really uh, invested in as much to you know get mad at me about, but you know, well, it is people, the internet. Yeah, if people misunderstand <laughs> the point of like analyzing art, you're not trying to find like the objective truth of of what the game is saying. You're you know you are providing an interpretation. Yeah, anyway. they definitely they definitely think that I'm saying that Sean Murray is saying that this game is about how capitalism is bad. Like they yeah. really like that's not no uh, authorial intent. It's bad. Anyway, I've had I've had people like try to link me to like interviews with the director where they talk about what they were trying to say and be like, no, you see, you're wrong. It's about this. So like, you don't know what movies are for. <laughs> <laughs> One time you do not understand art. <laughs> you don't understand art. You're not ready for this. Get out of here. Um, One time um, oh, I'm trying to remember which video. It, it doesn't matter. In one of my videos, I highlight i do this a couple times actually i highlight um that the directors explicitly said things that line up with my reading to try to like as as like a passive aggressive sort of jab at those people <laughs> they just do it anyway they just don't oh, even yeah. care they'll still be like no i think it's about something else it's like okay that's great <laughs> yeah yeah anyway it, it. <laughs> um you can watch my very based and um communism pilled uh, YouTube videos at KN Skittles, and you can follow me on Twitter at KN Skittles, uh, where I post pictures of my cute ferret Skittles. Who, uh, she's sort of like a little dude. That's kind of her whole thing. <laughs> her whole thing is just like, it's just like vibes. It, incredibly good vibes, like outrageously good vibes. All right, bye. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All gamers are bastards.
Probably why it always gets remade.